We are on Yavamos Nunvav Amen Aleph 56A1 in the Art Scroll Gemara. The Gemara now says, It's going back on the Mishnah. Our Mishnah, we started off with this parak, with this chapter, discussed uh, different cases which are, as the Gemara refers to, and Rashi refers to as Bia Grua. Not the best, not the ideal way to perform the mitzvah of Yibam. And there was a list of different examples, either... You didn't realize that you were performing the mitzvah of Yibam. You didn't realize that it was your sister-in-law when you did Yibam. Uh, cases of ones, of where it was against your will, against your control. And we say that that, in the end of the day, it does fulfill the mitzvah of Yibam. We also had the case of Ha'ara, of just the initial uh, act of Bia, the initial sexual act of insertion, but not the completion of the Bia. And these are all different forms of bia grua, of uh, a weaker form of bia, of yibam. It does work, and perhaps even in the cases where a person doesn't realize that it's their sister-in-law or they're being forced, the reason why it works, as we mentioned in the past, is because this is really the completion of the process. This is not the beginning of a new process. There already is this concept of zika, of a connection between the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law right away. Um, at the moment of the death of the deceased husband of the brother. Uh, but it is a biagrua. It is a weaker form of yibam. Um, and so what our Gemara now is going to discuss is that perhaps because it's a weaker form of, of yibam, this isn't your classical case of yibam where both are agreeing, are completely aware of the mitzvah that they are performing. So this could have different halachic ramifications. It could be, as we will see, uh, it could be that it's a, just a regular yibam and they're fully married. However, it could also be that they're only married to the degree that the Torah tells us with regards to yibam that there are that it's viewed as a marriage with regards to yibam. Meaning, as follows: Meaning, when it comes to yibam, the Torah tells us that the live brother who does yibam inherits the estate of the deceased brother of the deceased husband. So that would take place. It would also take place that. You fulfilled the mitzvah of Yibam. So therefore, any co-wives are now allowed to marry anybody that they want. It's, it's, a, form, it's a form of Yibam and you've, you've done the mitzvah of Yibam. However, there are other aspects to a marriage that are not mentioned in the Torah with regards to Yibam, but they're just part of a regular marriage. So what would that include? So that would include, first of all, if it's somebody who's marrying a Kohen, if a woman is marrying a Kohen, she now is allowed to eat truma, even if she wasn't a Kohen prior to the marriage. Now that she's married to a Kohen, she's allowed to eat truma. That's one ramification of being married. Another one is that uh, you're able to inherit uh, from the, your wife after she passes away, uh, that uh, you are have an obligation to, uh, to bury after they pass away, to bury them. And to the extent that even a Kohen, a Kohen is a, in general is not allowed to go to a cemetery, but if they're married, so then they're allowed to go to their spouse's funeral. Uh, in fact, they have, an obli- they have an obligation to be involved in the process. Um, and also, a fourth ramification is something called Mefer Nadarim, that if the wife uh, takes on Nadarim, certain vows, and the husband doesn't want her to take those on, so then he has the ability to annul those uh, vows. Uh, so these are four different uh, uh, ramifications to being, halachic ramifications to being married, responsibilities and ramifications, which are not found uh, 
specifically in the context of Yibam, it's found in the Torah, but not specifically in the context of Yibam. And so it could be, as we will see in the Gemara in a minute, it could be that when you do this, when you do regular Yibam, everything applies. It's like you're completely married, you're completely married, everything applies. But when you do this Biagrua, when you do this Yibam, which is of a weaker form, so then it could be that the marriage, to the extent that it's described in the Torah with regards to Yibam, that does work, and that does take place. However, with regards to these other ramifications, which are unique to a complete marriage, uh, such as inheritance and from the wife and from the husband, and with regards to the obligation to bury and to annul certain vows, so all of that and to Itruma, all that might not take place uh, in such a scenario. We'll see that this is subject to dispute, but it might not take place if it's viewed as a weaker form of Yibam. So says the Gemara, my kana, what does it mean that when the Mishnah says that whether or not it was just uh, the initial insertion or whether it was a completion, really, that's what the Gemara has as its header, but really it's referring to all these cases, all the cases of uh, not knowing that you're doing Yibam, not knowing that it's your sister-in-law, even if you're forced, all these cases. In fact, just parenthetically, some of the commentators even say that it's not specifically not referring to the initial insertion, because what we refer to as ha'ara, because ha'ara, according to them, is really uh, not viewed as a biagrua. It's not viewed as a lower level form of uh, yibum. It's really, it's perfectly that that is what bia is. That is what the sexual act is. It's defined as just the initial insertion, and so that wouldn't even be viewed as a weaker form. Being forced, not knowing that it's your sister-in-law, that's a weaker form, but perhaps. This is subject to dispute, but perhaps we're not even discussing that case of Ha'ara. But what does it mean that it's Kona, that it's a Kenyan, that it's an acquisition, that it's a marriage? To what degree? So this is subject to dispute. Rav Amar Kona, Rav says, with regards to everything, you're completely married for everything. Shmuel Amar, Shmuel argues, Lo Kona el Adzvarm Shmuel says that, no, it's limited, as we pointed out before, it's limited uh, to the cases that are found specifically Within Yibam, in the Torah, when, the, when it describes Yibam in the Torah, it says specifically that the the living brother who does Yibam is able to inherit from the estate of his deceased brother. That's number one. And number two is that they fulfilled the mitzvah of Yibam, that they've exempted her from Yibam. The Kohef now can, who did not do Yibam could go marry whoever she wants. So those are the ramifications, but not with regards to the other ones. The other ones of Truma, of, uh, as we mentioned before, of... Uh, a burial of annulling vows, all that would not take place according to Shmuel. Now the Gemara has two different versions as to what exactly are they arguing about, which case are they arguing about. Two very different versions. Version number one is as follows. Really there's no argument, there is no dispute when it comes to uh, a marriage where the deceased husband was actually married, fully married, not just engaged, but fully married uh, to his wife at that stage that they were married she's already allowed to eat truma she's allowed to eat truma if they are fully married just a little bit of a background with regards to this when it comes to truma the truth is is that if you are engaged if a woman is engaged to a kohen she's already allowed to eat truma uh, really she's allowed to eat truma however the rabbi said that they sh- she should not eat truma because she as as an engaged woman she's living in her family's home and her parents' home and so there's this concern that she's going to have tr- bring Truma into the house 
and people are going to get confused, and she's the only one who's allowed to eat from it. Her parents, who are not Kohanim, cannot eat from it. So they said, you know what, hold off until you're actually fully married. Fully married means that you're living under the same roof, and so therefore there is no, there's much less of a concern. And so on a practical level, we say, you uh, should only eat truma if you are fully married, even though conceptually you should be able to eat uh, already from the time that you're engaged, but practically we say, the rabbi said that you should not eat until you're married. So if you're already eating, from the original marriage, you're already eating truma, so you're already showing how you're fully married. So then everybody agrees, even Shmuel agrees that if then you do yibum, and it's this weaker form of yibum, it doesn't matter, you are now taking the place of the deceased brother of the deceased husband, and just like she was eating truma before, she could continue to eat truma. They argue in the context of where they were only engaged, where the deceased brother died after engagement before they were married. Because in that case, Rav Amar Ocheles, the Harabi Rahman Abiyah Shogi community, Rav says she could continue eating truma, and all the different ramifications of being married continue to apply, because the Torah told us that even though it's a weaker form of Yibam, but it works. Once it works, it works completely. Shmuel argues, Shmuel Amar, no, ki Rabbi Rahman al in general, Yibam works to make it a complete marriage. However, because this is a weaker form of Yibam, because you're forced into it, you don't even realize, for whatever the reason is, it only works to the degree that you are now replacing the husband. But you won't be better, you won't be stronger than the original husband. And just like if uh, he were to pass away during the engagement, and so at that stage, she's not allowed to eat truma on a very practical level. She's not allowed to eat truma. The rabbi said she cannot eat truma when she's still living in her parents' home uh, at the time of the engagement. So therefore, when she does yibum, we will not say that the yavam, the brother-in-law who does yibum, could create a stronger relationship than the one that already existed. It could create a stronger relationship if it was regular yibum, but this is not regular yibum. This is a weaker form of yibum. And so therefore, it cannot, be, it, it cannot be stronger than the original engagement. And the Gemara brings a proof to this. They say, not a proof, but Shmuel fits. He's the Shitaso. He fits with what he said elsewhere. The Amr of Nachman Amr Shmuel, because Shmuel said elsewhere, that he made a statement that whenever the husband is allowed, allows his wife to eat truma, so then the Yavam also would allow his new wife, the sister-in-law, to eat truma. But whenever the husband cannot, so then the Yavam also cannot. But again, this is limited to a case where it is a weaker form of Yibam. It's because they didn't know about it, they didn't have kavana intent for the mitzvah. In those cases, we will say that the Yavam, the brother-in-law who did Yibam, cannot be stronger than the original marriage. The Gemara now brings a challenge. Uh, they challenge this idea of Shmuel, specifically of Shmuel, from the following b'risa. It says in the following b'risa as follows. So we have a regular engagement, a regular engagement where um, they are able to get engaged and they get engaged uh, and the girl is, the wife is uh, not a Kohen, the husband, the man is a Kohen, uh, is a Kohen, and then before they get married, so then he becomes a deaf mute. As a deaf mute, he he is he's now he's now uh, a deaf mute. So we say Eina Ochelas. She does not eat from Truma after they get married. It would the marriage works even though he's a deaf mute, and from the days of the Talmud, uh, 
uh, somebody who was both deaf and mute, so they cannot function within society back then, um, and they were they are viewed halakhically, they are viewed as somebody who does not have enough das, enough awareness um, in general. So we say, but if they were if they were already engaged, the marriage would work. It would be viewed as a halakhic marriage, even though they don't have the awareness of of a regular somebody who is not deaf mute. Uh, but this person doesn't have that level of awareness, and yet his marriage is still viewed as a marriage. It is a marriage. However, she's not allowed to eat truma. Why, can, why is she not allowed to eat truma if it's a regular marriage? Because we are concerned that people will confuse this with a case where a deaf mute is trying to get engaged. A deaf mute who's trying to get engaged, that will not work because that's initiating the process. The marriage is really just the culmination of something which took place in the days of the Gemara a year before and so that would work. However, if he was deaf-mute from the beginning, from the onset, so that engagement wouldn't even be recognized. So as a way of remembering this, we say that if they get, got married, fully married as a deaf-mute, she cannot eat truma because people will get confused. Um, so she's not allowed to eat truma. However, continues the Bryce, What happens if uh, he died... This person died before they were able to get married. He died when they were engaged. And that's why we're going to see how this connects to, to Shmuel. She dies when they were engaged. And then she falls to uh, the brother-in-law. The brother-in-law is the one who's deaf-mute. And he does Yibam. We say, Ocheles. We say that she is allowed to eat Truma. She is allowed to eat Truma, which goes completely against Shmuel. They are engaged. Uh, she's not allowed... Uh, she's not allowed to uh, eat truma, and then once they do yibam, she is allowed to eat truma. And the, the Brisa concludes by saying, "This is how the ability of yibam is stronger. The power of yibam is stronger than the power of the husband, because the husband did not allow his wife uh, the the relationship. It wasn't him, but the relationship was not a relationship where his wife is allowed to eat truma, and yet for the yavam." Even though he's deaf mute, he is allowed. It's superior to the husband, and uh, he is allowed to eat. Um, he is allowed to eat. Sorry, she is allowed to eat truma. What is important here is that we're discussing a cheresh who's doing yibam. The yavam, the brother-in-law, is a cheresh. He's somebody who's deaf mute, and from a halachic perspective, uh, a deaf mute is not able to, to function. Uh, appropriately within and with enough knowledge within society and it's equivalent from a halachic perspective it's equivalent to not having awareness that you are performing a mitzvah of yibam you don't have awareness of 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 performing this uh this action of yibam and yet so this is a this is viewed as a weaker form of yibam and yet uh, the uh the sister-in-law now does yibam with the brother-in-law and she is allowed to eat shuma that goes against shmuel the Gemara says, I understand, according to Rav, they're completely married. Even though it's a weaker form of Yibam, they're completely married. But for Shmuel, it's a question. So the Gemara answers, Shmuel, Shmuel responds as follows. How, how is this not a question on Shmuel? Seems to be that a weaker form of Yibam, because it's a Cheirish, it's somebody who's deaf mute, yet that she's allowed to eat Shuma. So Shmuel says, this is what the this is what the Brisa means. We have to change the words of the Brisa a little bit. The case where she is able to eat truma, the case he adds is where they got married. They got married before he became a deaf mute. 
They had the full marriage before he became a deaf mute, and only afterwards did he become a deaf mute. There we say that she is allowed to eat truma, and then the bride continues meis If he then dies, meaning after the marriage, after not at, not during the time of the engagement, but after the marriage where she's already eating truma, meaning he dies uh, before he becomes even before he becomes a deaf mute, shouldn't make a difference, but. Uh, he just dies after the marriage, and then she falls to Yibam. She falls. She has to do Yibam with the brother-in-law. The brother-in-law is a deaf mute. We say that she could ochela. She may eat truma, and this fits with Shmuel because Shmuel said that if it's at the time of the marriage, so then uh, he agrees that they'll be fully married. He basically the Yavam, the brother-in-law, in a in a in a weaker form of Yibam, takes on the original marriage. Whatever happened in the original marriage will happen now in this new marriage of Yibam. And since uh, the brother, the deceased brother died after they got married, so then it will also uh, it will also uh, allow her to have truma and according to many of the commentators, all the other ramifications of marriage will exist. It will exist because it stemmed from an original marriage, not from an engagement, but from an original marriage. Umay bezu, the big question of the Gemara then is well, if that's the case, so what does it mean, bazu, that in this respect, that uh, in this case, we see how the Yavam relationship, the relationship through Yibam is, is greater than of the, of the deceased husband, of the husband. How is it greater? In both cases, you're eating truma because it stems from a relationship of a marriage. Originally, we thought it was stemming from an engagement. And so then I understood, because by an engagement, she's not allowed to eat truma. She then goes ahead and does yibam, even with the deaf mute, and she's allowed to eat truma. So then I could understand. But in this case, it's from a marriage. The marriage itself, she was allowed to eat truma. So Shmuel explains, This is the difference. This is what the Bryce is trying to highlight. If the husband was a deaf mute from the beginning, from the very beginning, before they were even engaged, or perhaps even before they were married, even before they were married, even while they were engaged, so then she would not be allowed to eat. She would not be allowed to eat truma uh, because that's when we were concerned that people would get confused and think that at any time that even if they were deaf-mute from the original engagement, she it would be viewed as an engagement. So therefore we say she's not allowed to eat truma. If he became deaf-mute before the actual marriage, so then she's not allowed to eat truma. The However, if the Yavam, the brother-in-law, was from birth a deaf mute, so then she is allowed to eat truma. She would be allowed to eat truma. It doesn't make a difference whether or not uh, the, the Yavam, the, the, the brother-in-law who's alive, was a deaf mute even before they did Yibam. It doesn't make a difference. She's allowed to eat truma because it's an extension, according to Shmuel, of the first marriage. Since the first marriage, they were fully married. It wasn't an engagement. They were fully married and she was allowed to eat truma. So, so too, to the Yavam, even though the Yavam, the brother-in-law, is a Cheresh, even from before they did Yibam, uh, she would still allow to be, eat truma because it's an extension of the first marriage. That is uh, the Gemara until now. There is a second version to this, a very different second version to this, which we will see in the next recording. We'll see that second version in the next recording, and then we'll also go on.